The gospel today comes from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epiphany, a time of eyes being opened to see that Jesus is the Christ, that God decided to be one of us and walk among us and walk this earth and therefore make all of this creation holy. The scriptures for the next few weeks are all about people who are going to have their eyes opened to see Jesus as the Christ. During this epiphany, we're going to try something new in this sanctuary. We're going to have, uh, at the very beginning of each service in the season of epiphany, a a picture projected on the walls that may look just completely secular to our normal glance. Our challenge will be to find the sacred in the midst of the secular. Uh, I'll give you a clue. The first picture we're going to use next week is a picture I took as we were boarding an airline heading to Nashville after Christmas. And it's just people sitting in an airline, in an airplane, putting their baggage up on the uh, those baggage things. What do they call those? Bins. Fine. And we're going to be invited to say, okay, so what's holy about this? Where's God in this? We'll collectively do this. I'm giving you a week head start. This particular passage today on Epiphany Sunday is when the Magi, the kings, the the wise men come to Jesus and their eyes are opened to see that this baby really is God incarnate. Um, 
There's so many different traditions about the Magi, and I encourage you to uh, look on Wikipedia or anywhere you want to just look at some of the stories and legends around the Magi. We don't know fully who they are. We also don't know how many there were. All we know is that they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It could have been, some traditions in the East say there were 12 Magi. Other traditions say there were dozens of Magi. Others say that there were hundreds, a whole entourage of men, women, and children who were coming to give these gifts following the star to Bethlehem. Um, As I was reading this week about some of the traditions that are not biblical, but they're part of our Christian heritage, I found some of them very rich in their symbolism and in their wisdom. Have some of you heard the names that have been attributed to the three wise men? Melchior, Balthazar, Caspar. Now, each tradition and each culture and each language have different names for those three. Um, And each country and culture claims that they were represented in one of those three. There's a tradition in, in art for about 400 years, from about 1200 to, six, to 1600, where the three wise men are depicted from three different cultures, <clears throat> Europe, Asia, and Africa. In fact, when you go out today and you look at the picture that's over the prayer table here in the hallway, you'll see a depiction, and the wise men are from, easily, you could see they're from three different cultures. There's a tradition in some of our history that says the three wise men were of three different ages, and the first to make it to give the gifts, was the eldest. And they describe the ages as a man of 60, a man of 40, and a man of 20. Now, this is conjecture. And there are so many churches that claim that they have a piece of one of the wise men. One is in Cologne, Germany, where there is a huge reliquary. It's the largest reliquary in Western Christianity, and it houses the bones of all three, supposedly. And a few hundred years ago, when they opened that box up, they had three skeletons of three men, aged about 60, 40, and 20. Now, I don't know if that's the case, But I find it absolutely rich that three different generations of, I would say, men and women brought their gifts to the Christ child. The eldest getting there first. The eldest who had seen life, death, suffering, mortality, injustice, Belief systems turned on its head. There's wisdom that comes from that. A wisdom that opens our eyes to the Christ. 
quicker than others if we've really let life teach us. And an older man or woman can bring those gifts to God and say, here I am, use my gifts. Likewise, someone in middle age, in their 40s, who have begun to see their own PR department collapse and discover who they really are in Christ. Those who are in that sandwich generation who are caring for elderly parents and caring for children, they can say to God, here I am, use my gifts. Likewise, a young man or a young woman in their 20s have an energy and a spirit and a passion and a certainty that God can use. And that young man or woman can say to the Christ child, here I am, use my gifts. Whoever the wise men and wise women were, We know that they were not part of the Jewish narrative. They were not part of the same culture as Jesus and his family. They were foreigners. They were outsiders. They were not part of what Jesus' tradition would have called clean. And that says to us, that God's love is bigger than any tradition. God's love is bigger than any culture. God's love is bigger than any gender, any age. And it says that God wants to be known. God wants to be discovered. And God wants to be in relationship with all people. If we let that sink in, that changes the way we follow Jesus. I heard Brian McLaren, some of you have been in small groups this Advent, and and we're continuing some of those small groups, and we've really studied some of Brian McLaren's call for for Christians to live a Christianity, not just a belief system, but to live a way of life that is loving. He tells a story about the Church of the Nativity. Some of you remember the light that we got this year, brought all the way from the Church of the Nativity. That church has been built and destroyed many times by conquering groups. History tells us that when the Persians came into the Holy Land, they destroyed many churches because Christians had been killing Persians in the name of God. And so when the Persians took over the Holy Land, they destroyed many churches. But they left the Church of the Nativity standing in Bethlehem. Do you know why? There were pictures on the wall painted of the wise men. And the Persians said, you know, they look like us. And so we're not going to destroy this sanctuary because they're honoring our culture. 
Friends, what would it look like if Christianity in the West followed Jesus in such a way that all people and all cultures and all genders and all ages knew that they were not being judged, but that they were part of the story. The story of Christ. I close with this invitation. Christianity has so much baggage. We have 2,000 years of being faithful and not being faithful. Doing great things and doing terrible things. There are some in our neighborhoods and even in our families and I'm sure friends of ours who are writing us off for being here this morning and think Christianity is just filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And I always say to my friends who tell me that, I say, of course we're hypocrites and we can always use one more, so come to church. We're all inconsistent. But what would it look like if we Christians responded to every question with compassion? What if we responded to every dilemma with compassion? That's the answer, compassion. If we know that's the answer to every question and every situation, to be compassionate, might that be something God uses to change people's perception of who followers of Jesus are? I close with this. The wise men in the scriptures, probably wise men and wise women, met Herod on their way to seek the Christ child. Herod was a megalomaniac. He was egomaniacal, narcissistic did anything at all to bolster his power. He would build cities and name them after himself. And he wanted to know where the Christ child was because he wanted to kill the Christ child because he felt so threatened by this baby. He said to the wise men, when you find the Christ child, Come and tell me, so that I too may go and worship him, lying through his teeth. The wise men and wise women were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, but to go home by another way. They may be the first models of those whose eyes are open to the Christ to realize that they now have a higher authority than any earthly kingdoms and any earthly empires and any earthly powers. So followers of Jesus, there will come a time when we too 
need to trust God and go home by another way. May it be so for you and for me and for all who follow Jesus. Amen.